okay, a little off topic here, but do you remember like the jingle for um, K Earth One Hundred One when we were kids? K Earth One Hundred One. Los Angeles. Yeah, the Los Angeles <laughs> part. I would, if you yeah. didn't say the Los Angeles part, I would I would have got on you. Yes. Yeah, no, it was the Los Angeles. Yeah, it Los was it was Angeles. that pause. It was the pause between so the stupid. One and one. I love it. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and well, that's pretty much it. So uh, let's go. This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different album from a different band and we break it down. We do all the research we could possibly do. We find out all the little secrets about whatever album we're doing and we let everyone else know about it. Uh, My name is Tyler and way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether, it's Jeff. Uh, Go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Please give us a five-star rating on there uh, because that means a lot. So please go do that. Uh, Asinine Radio is our handle on all social media, Twitter, the Facebooks, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. But we're primarily on Instagram. So get into that. Uh, fuck. I think, I think <laughs> that's it. Oh, no. We have a phone number. You can leave a voicemail. You can text us. Uh, the number is 503-893-5307. Uh, now, Jeff, what, what are we doing today? Uh, Rubber Soul by The Beatles. formed in Liverpool, England in 1960 by John Lennon on vocals and guitar, Paul McCartney on vocals and guitar, George Harrison on guitar, Stuart Sutcliffe on bass, and Tommy Moore on drums. The Beatles have put out 21 full-length records, with 13 of them being their core albums, 36 EPs, 54 comps, 5 live records, and have sold over 600 million albums and 1.6 billion singles worldwide. But the album we're doing today is Rubber Soul. It's the band's sixth record, and it was released December 3rd, 1965. It features John John Lennon on vocals guitar, Paul McCartney on bass and vocals, George Harrison on guitar, and Ringo Starr on drums. 
uh, while not being the most popular Beatles album, it has sold well over 10 million copies worldwide. Now, Jeff, what are your, uh, what's your origin story with the Beatles? What do you got? My earliest memory with the Beatles is owning their one uh, compilation okay. or whatever you call it. The uh, you know type of the red with the white or the, the white the yellow, the yellow one yeah. on the on the oh, cover. Yeah. I I had a CD of that. Um, it was a double CD. It was it was, it was like fucking fifty songs. It was a lot. Of, it was like almost all of their songs. <laughs> but that's that's. That's my earliest memory of the Beatles is listening to that. And I liked it a lot as a kid. I mean, I was like fucking nine when I started getting into like CDs and stuff. And I, I liked it a lot. It was cool. It was dope. And and I don't know. I, I At some point, I, I veered off from the Beatles because much like every other young person, I didn't dive into like the good stuff until many, many years later, until now, mm-hmm. until today, like literally right now. Um, but... <laughs> I um I I've 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 dis I I've t- I talk a lot of shit in the Beatles I do. Oh yeah, you do. I Absolutely. talk a lot of shit in the Beatles, and rightfully so, because outside of like five albums, the Beatles are are. You take out those five albums, and the Beatles are nobody. And okay. um, yeah, that's my that's my origin story. <laughs> yeah, was 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 one that 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 thing one. I don't know how I got it. I think it was from Columbia House. Actually, I got it for like a penny. And when I say I got it, my mom ordered it. Your mom, yeah. So because you had yeah. no money, because you're a child. Yeah, because so. I was like fucking eight years old, and and what the fuck did I know? <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, my uh, my origin story is not like yours. Uh, my mom, my parents never really liked the Beatles. They never, we never. She, my mom never had any of the CDs. My dad never really listened to music. He was more of talk radio guy. Um, but yeah, my mom never had any Beatles records, no comps or anything like that. Um, but my only memories of them as a kid growing up were my aunt, uh, we, whenever we go, she would take us anywhere. She would always play K earth one Oh one, which is the local oldies station. <laughs> and they always fucking played the Beatles. So that, I mean, that, I, that was one way. And then also, uh, my friend Sean, when we were growing up, his dad, his dad's favorite band was the Beatles. And his dad could play any Beatles song on the guitar. Like he knew every song of theirs on the guitar and could play them like flawlessly. And uh, it was, it was a, honestly very impressive. Um, so that was like my, really my only, my only experience with the Beatles growing up. And then it wasn't until I worked at Tower Records in 2006 where some, one of the guys that I worked with, um, actually uh, Shady knows him. He's friends with them too. David, what? that guy, David, David Kurtz. I think that was his name. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. David Shady, not David. Wait, it was David Kurtz. I don't remember. But anyway, yeah. David Shady knows him and is actually friends with him. But yeah, he was, he actually threw on a revolver on the, the stereo system one night at, when we were working and I'd never heard it. And when it came on, I was just blown away. I couldn't believe that the beat, that that was the Beatles. The revolver was the Beatles. It was it it completely changed my mind and my perspective on the band. And at that point, I, I remember buying that record that night um, after he played it. And then I bought it on CD and then eventually I got it. I found Sgt. Pepper's and Rubber Soul. And those were those three records right there were just for like the next three or four years. I just con- continuously listened to those records. So that's kind of my origin story with with the Beatles. I got into them very, very late. And it was only because of a revolver, honestly. So, 
Okay, a little off topic here, but do you remember like the jingle for um, K Earth One Hundred One when we were kids? K Earth One Hundred One. Los Angeles. Yeah, the Los Angeles <laughs> part. I would, if you yeah. didn't say the Los Angeles part, I would I would have got on you. Yes. Yeah, no, it was the Los Angeles. It was Los it was Angeles. that pause. It was the pause between so the Kairos one and one. I love it. Yeah, okay. very okay. catchy jingle, but it was simple, effective. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so what are your initial thoughts on uh, on Rubber Soul? Uh, I mean, so like my favorite song. Since I've been going to camp, since since I've been very young, my my favorite song by the Beatles is just always been "Nowhere Man." There's there's something about this song, and it's uh, it's not even that great of a song. It's it's kind of ugly, it's weird sounding, it's not. I mean, I, if you if you really dive into them, it's not like the best song on the album. It's just it. It wasn't even a song that I played in camp, like like with my guitar mm-hmm. or anything. I don't. It's just. Maybe just because it's been my favorite for so long, it still continues to be my favorite. And even this week, listening to it is it's I don't know, man, there's something about that song. But but with that aside, um my my initial thoughts on Rubber Soul when we first started collecting and I've always been I still I'm still a firm advocate of this, but I've always been a Beach Boys guy over the Beatles guy. I think the Beach Boys are better than the Beatles um, overall. I think they've done more. There would be no Sgt. Peppers if it not been for Pet Sounds. Let's just throw that out there real quick. That's stupid. That's not stupid. It came out before and it was much better. Not much it's better. Not. But it was a little bit better. Uh. Um, but but I have come to like the Beatles more in the past couple of years. I have. I will say that. Good. I've I've come to like Good. the Beatles more in the past couple of years, but... Like it's my top four: Revolver, Rubber Soul, uh, Magical Mystery, and Sergeant Pepper's. Like that's it. Abbey Road. I've had that a couple times too on the vinyls. I'm not. I even if I got it for free, I don't think I'd keep it. I'd, I'd still a purge one because it goes for high dollar. People buy it for twenty bucks no matter what. I, I'm just not going to pick it up. But those four, I have Revolver and Sergeant Pepper's. But the other two, Magical Mystery and Rubber Soul, I want them on vinyls. But that's it. That's all I'm going to get from the Beatles. Everything that's else. Fa- that's fair, honestly. Uh, dude, like they're I mean, they have we, we we ranked thirteen albums, right? Yeah. Ten of those albums, so no, sorry, eight of those albums are subpar. Six yeah, for the through most thirteen. Part. Six through thirteen are subpar. If we're talking uh, about just top five, Abbey Road, Revolver, Rubber Soul, Magical Mystery, Sgt. Peppers, those are the only albums that I think are I mean, with our rankings, everything below that would get a solid two or less. You should hear it once. That is it. Everything else, yeah, yeah. Abbey Road above, is is two or better. But Rubber Soul, Rubber Soul, Rubber Soul is the start Rebel, of it. Rebel Soul. Rebel Soul. And what I, <laughs> dude, there's a lot of things I didn't, I'm all over the place. All these emotions are coming up from what we talked about earlier. And I'm like, I'm off the rails. <laughs> What I didn't realize about the Beatles is how much of kids they were. Is oh yeah, they when were they were young, when they first started the you know the Beatles and stuff, and and their first album came out, like Lennon and Lennon and Ringo were like the oldest ones, and they were like twenty, twenty one or some shit like that, twenty two. But like they're teens in their early twenties, and then by the time like Rubber Soul came out, they're still like in their mid twenties. Like that's. Yeah. Like we're getting older now. Like we're in our almost our. We are in our mid thirties. We, 
we are not kids anymore. We we remember what we were doing in our early twenties, and we were acting like complete fucking idiots. <laughs> we were idiots, yeah. And what sure. what made me, what made me the happiest of all this 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 research that I did this week was realizing that the Beatles existed, especially Paul and and John Lennon and McCartney. What they existed. They made music. They wrote music to get girls. Like that was that was their existence. That's why they loved to be in a band. That's why they tried so hard was so they can get girls. And that is that is the most early twenties thing you could possibly do. <laughs> and that yeah. was so fucking cool. Just because like your kids enjoy being a kid. And they still enjoyed being a kid. And that's something that you don't see from a lot of these bands that get highly successful early on because they missed that, that developmental part. Like they got their teens, their teens were fine, but like the early twenties is when alcohol is introduced, drugs are starting to be introduced to you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these bands that, that get success early on, they, they abuse these things. And the Beatles were very late on like the, the, the drug aspect of it, the hard drug aspect of it. Oh and, yeah. Totally. And, like Rubber Soul is kind of that transitional period of becoming girl chasing teenagers into more mellow, laid back, early twenties dudes. And like that was cool. That was a cool transition to see from their first four into Rubber Soul and then into Sgt. Pepper's where they became like young adults. Cause mm-hmm. I mean like boys were not really mentally developed until like our late twenties almost. So it was <laughs> It's true. We do a lot of dumb shit when we're in our early. 20s. I I think like scientifically speaking, I think I think there's like there's case studies or whatever. I follow science only, obviously. Obviously, yeah. I I I think like males develop later on than females do. Just on a I don't know physical logical. I'm just making up words now. Standpoint. Physiological. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason in my mind where i think i thought of the i thought of thor why did i think of thor that was weird i don't know like specifically chris helmsworth i guess because he's like the perfect human because he you know he's Is a he? good looking dude uh, he's a good looking dude uh, yeah he's like brad pitt in brad pitt's heyday he's like the new brad pitt chris helmsworth even the new brad, brad pitt even brad pitt looks still looks good dude brad pitt, well. hay- brad pitt in his heyday like snatch snatch is brad pitt in his heyday <laughs> boom perfect <laughs> or fight club too yeah well it was a little more it was a little more uh rugged in fight club yeah, snatch was yeah. whatever it, dude rubber soul is is that transitional period not just musically but like as people the beatles trans they transcended being dumb kids writing pop songs just to bang chicks but now they're realizing like holy fuck man like I actually like doing this now. Let's mm-hmm. start writing music because their first four albums are, it's like 80% it's of the same, same shit. Yeah. So now, Absolutely. now they're making music for themselves and not just to bang chicks. I mean, don't, don't, I mean, there's a lot of songs on rubber soul that I was very surprised about that are just about trying to get girls, but <laughs> it's that transitional period. Rubber soul is just like the perfect transitional period album. Maybe like ever. Yeah, one of the best for sure. Crazy good. Those those were your first impressions for Rubber Soul. That was a lot of first um, impressions, but yeah, that's it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and and I I agree with you. I mean, this is the this is truly the transition 
for the band, uh, where they were going. And I feel like this is pretty, this is the peak for them. I think this is just the perfect combination of, of just the pop songwriting on a mature level. Because I mean, yeah, Sgt. Peppers and Revolver are, they're more mature, but they're like, they're almost like novelty albums, you know, they're not like, they're, they're very stuck in that in that genre and you it's hard to to take them out of that genre on those records but rubber soul is that perfect combination of of that and i feel like this is the peak of their career is this record uh it's it like i mean like we talked about it is my favorite record and after hearing revolver for the first time and then i heard sergeant peppers i loved it but then rubber soul when i heard that as well for the first time i mean instantly these songs just I was hooked. Like I, I, this is one of those records where I could not believe how quickly I knew the songs and I could memorize the songs. I've never experienced that with any record in my entire life. Like I, I felt like after maybe the third or fourth listen, I knew all the lyrics to the songs. I knew all the melodies, all the harms. I just knew it. It was, it's so, so strange how, how just wonderful this record is through and through. Um, so I mean that that's kind of my first impressions on it. My first impression on this one, uh, my and I mean, I guess if you didn't already know, my my biggest banger is Norwegian Wood, and honestly, it's the second greatest song ever written of all time by any band. Oh God, behind Got uh, the Life. Oh yeah, Got the Life is the greatest oh, song you're ever written. Such a wiener. <laughs> yeah, no, Got the Life is the greatest song ever written, and then and then it's Norwegian Wood is number two. So good. I mean that's just the way it is. I I, I mean I I don't make the rules. The way she goes, boys. But um, should we should we get into Nowhere Man or, or Norwegian Wood? Because well, I mean, Man we've already we've favorite. already played Norwegian Wood. Let's let's get into that. That is not a banger for me. That's, are you serious? No, I'm just kidding. It's it's my three. I was say, it's dude, my you're three. Such an idiot. If you, if you were, I've, <laughs> dude, I, I just I don't even know why. I, I don't. I, I have no words. Obviously, I I I pre-listed Norwegian Wood as my two B, but mm-hmm. then something snuck in there. And really, really connected with me this week that made Norwegian Wood my three B, but it was, mm. it was, it was, it should have been my two B. Was it Got the Life? <laughs> no. What? No. <laughs> I don't know. You said it creeped in there. And no, you'd... for on this fucking album, not oh, like all time. Okay. Why the oh, okay. f- no? What? I don't know. You never know. You never know. No, I, no, I do know. It's, it, <laughs> I, I know everything. I, so you don't I know think, everything. So you don't think got the life is better than norwegian just just no i don't i I think Ah. like the opening that little guitar part is really cool but other than that got the life is meh at best you're saying a lot of stupid things tonight say i call them as i see them so i can do norwegian wood norwegian wood let's let's do this so um i mean pretty much an acoustic song with some great sitar playing coming from george uh i i mean it's just it's just a beautiful song i i don't know and it's so catchy and i i don't know man i, I it's it's hard for me on this one because I, I think this is just an absolutely perfect 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 song i so i mean it is my 3b but i do think this is a perfect song yes i, I mean i oh, i think this is like again this is another and it's it's so rare that we talk about a transitional period of a band musically and then also personally and it's it, this is it too. Like the way I read it, George Harrison found a sitar in some place. On the movie set. It was on the movie set for help. 
And he was just like, oh, that looks cool. Let me try that. And that's how the Beatles talked back then. Mm-hmm. And then he picked it up and then he played it. And like the rest is history. Like, like th- that's fucking crazy. And this mm-hmm. is this. I mean, it, it had been around before he did it. But this introduced like the world to the sitar, the rock world to the sitar. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that I like. And, and I'm a big Deadhead fan, apparently. And there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that comes from this comes from George Harrison, him introducing the world to the sitar and introducing like Indian influence. I mean, they're made, I, I don't know, like, like Dick Dale stuff, right? Like that, that type of, of twang, that's one thing, but an entirely different instrument. Yeah, that is something yeah. totally different. You're totally right. You're totally right. It's, it's such a cool, a company, a company, wait, Accompaniment. 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 Just say it real fast, then you don't have to worry about it. Accompaniment. It's a great accompaniment to <laughs> to Lennon's guitar playing. It's I don't know, man. It just it it's a perfectly balanced song with these with the two instruments. And then I, I just just that that guitar. I don't even want to call it a riff, but just the guitar part, just the strumming, the way he strums the chords, and just how he just lightly picks certain notes while he's strumming. It's just, oh my God, dude. It's such a such an amazing, amazing song. And you get, I mean, every time I listen to this song, I I focus on one one instrument really in particular, and then I'm just kind of like blown away. And then I can listen to it again and focus on a different instrument and still be blown away. I, everything is just so impressive on this song. And it's so short. It's like just over two minutes long. But it tells, and not only music is it musically is it so great but but lyrically it's it's kind of a fucked up song well actually it is a fucked up song but it he the way lennon tells the story it's like captivating and you can it's just one of those things where you can you can just imagine and picture along everything he's saying just so perfectly it's fantastic i i I love it so like just just right off the cuff here I, i think like um you just said the word, and I, I can't even think of it. But uh, impress, impressive, impressive, imp- accompaniment. Actually, the way the way you said you said accompaniment real fast like that, it sounded legit. But impressive. <laughs> so, like, just just uh, here are my rankings of how I impress how 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 I am impressed. Dude, pod talking's hard tonight. I know. Well, we're using all these fucking <laughs> conjugations of these words. Like, dude, fuck these words. Words are like words bullets. Suck. <laughs> That's true. Words here, are. here are my rankings of how I was impressed. Um, number, number one is okay. Paul. Paul impressed me more than anybody else. Yes, yes. No, number two was George. Not yes. really a big surprise. Number three was John, and then Ringo didn't really impress me at all. So of course, but but Paul for Paul sure. Paul is the best Beatle. True, uh, he's the well, best Beatle. It's tough to argue against it, but he's not my favorite. But yes, it's he has it's, the best voice too out of the four. It's hard. It's hard to argue against it, but for sure, Paul impressed me the most. Like, like people always say, how great of a bass player he is. I don't think he's a great bass player. He's not like one of the most technical. But damn, can the dude write some lines? Like the guy writes <laughs> yeah. lines to match the song. He writes lines to match what he's trying to convey. The feeling, the tone the lyrics he's just a really really good songwriter yeah i i do feel outside of the drumming the lyrics are a little bit lacking 
uh, on this record. And it, 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 it was a little surprising considering, you know, the Beatles are considered the greatest band of all time. I mean, that's just... I don't consider them... That. Well, I, I know, but know, like no, generally... I've never heard that before. Generally speaking, we all know the Beatles are considered <laughs> like, like the greatest me. band of all time. But, you know, going into this lyrically, the lyrics are fine, but I, I mean, they're not like... I'm not blown away by them, but... this Actually, Norwegian Wood was one of the cooler lyrics that I thought because because I really wanted to get... Because I, I really think that these guys... Anybody in in the in show business, I always feel are are, are semi emotionally underdeveloped okay, because you're fair. you're growing up faster than what nature is intending, mm -hmm. and so this song supposedly about an affair Lennon was having, but uh, but he wanted to keep it hush hush, so he was like masking it, right? Mm -hmm. And and I I think these guys like really like even even at this point they they're doing this so they can meet chicks like that's why they're in a band that's why fucking anybody starts a band really is cuz you want to hang out and meet girls or <laughs> party or whatever you want <laughs> i think that's but, that's any like normal no i don't want to say that's nah, it's, it's that's what a pretty, lot of a lot of pre pretty, a lot of teen guys want but that that's that's you want recognition is is above all else you start a band cuz you want recognition for the yeah. most part there are outliers but for the most part and, and but like this, so like on the surface, it's, it's a song that seems to be about a guy who goes to a girl's house hoping for sex, sees her decor, you know, the Norwegian wood, yeah, and, the fake and wood the fact, the fact that there's no chairs, right? When you, when you go into a place and there's no chairs, there's only a bed. Obviously, things are going to go to the bed at some point. Yeah, and then the woman changes her mind, and he ends up sleeping in the bath, and then burns down her house. On the surface, <laughs> like that's that's what's going on here. I was trying in the mindset of like, okay, John is not like he missed a good part of his childhood. Like we grew up with a child of all the stupid stuff that we did helped us become the people we are today. That's mm -hmm. not the case with like the Beatles and a lot of people in this, in this thing. So I was thinking about like, is this about an affair? Could this actually be some sort of like subconscious apology to Cynthia at the time, his wife? Like mm -hmm. he once had Cynthia and their life was good, but temptation and, and, you know, wisdom caught up with him. And Lennon realizes that he's made a mistake, like the mistake in the song thinking sex was going to happen. The burning the mm -hmm. place down could be like a metaphorical burning down of, of Lennon's feelings and, and finally accepting that, yes, my old life with Cynthia, that's all gone. Cause at this point is kind of when things started to hit the rocks. Yeah. And then he's accepting the fact that that's not what he wants anymore. What he wants to do is be promiscuous and sleep around and be a rock star. But that's fucked up to Cynthia because he's already married her at that point. Mm -hmm. And so this and is kind of like a, this is kind of like a, a farewell to one life, but then accepting like a new life coming in. And what's mm -hmm. great about these Beatles lyrics is because John and Paul had gone back and forth. Do you can read like any fucking just Google any article for any of these songs and you'll get like oh, I know what you're going to say. And you'll get like 10 different things by both of the members saying that it's about one thing and then they contradict themselves and they say <laughs> yeah. it's about something else and then 10 years later oh no actually it was about this and then 10 years later oh actually it was about this. Like you, even they don't you know fucking what, know. <laughs> what I noticed too about a lot of these songs is that at some point it'll say one like Lennon will say, "Yeah, I, I this is my song. I did everything. Paul just did the middle eight. And then like two years after that, Paul will say, "No, it was my song. I I did everything on it. <laughs> Constantly. And, you know, it was just 
literally every song on this record I was reading just like they would just constantly go back and forth saying, no, this is my song. I wrote it. They just did the middle eight. They just did the some some backup harmonies. It's like, dude, like, <laughs> it's, it, it's a fucking mess. It was it was a total mess. And you think on the surface, you, you think like, oh, this is from a band that just because I mean, this was the start of the headbutting like like oh, Rubber yeah. Soul was when they started to headbutt. And then it just it just cultivated from there, and then it was all downhill from there. But then you think like, I don't even know, man. Maybe this was like a long con because this is a band that was highly influenced by their manager, by their producers. Yeah. And so maybe this was a type of long con to say, hey, if you guys want your songs to live forever, then keep changing what it's about. Keep telling people something different, so they're oh. always engaged, so they're always interested. And then he dies, and Lennon dies. Yeah, right? that's that's so, an interesting theory. So forever, forever, nobody will ever really, really know because he's gone. And then, then you add Yoko into this stuff. Oh God, that's <laughs> a fucking disaster. But like, what? Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> I know, but, but, <laughs> Not but even anyway, the like, knows what's going on. But like going back to Norwegian Wood, and then like this whole this whole thing about Lennon accepting, I I think is, is him accepting a new life of of being like a rock star. And then don't forget too, like like that marriage was kept hush hush. The birth of his first son that was kept very hush hush. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a secret to not upset like the younger female fan base. That's wild like, that was, to think about. That was That's a big so part of the Beatles in their early years was that female fan base. And if, if yeah. you tell if you tell the fans like, oh yeah, he's married with a kid, like they're they're gonna lose interest. And that's that's marketing, that's that's, dude, money. that's management. Yeah. That's money being lost if if they make that announcement. That's what oh, I got. Man. Norwegian would. <laughs> that's what that's <laughs> where I'm at. Uh I will I will say this too, and I and I know you agree that I'm I'm just not a big fan of John Lennon. I think, I mean, I think he's, he was so arrogant and his life outside of the Beatles, I feel was just, he was a dick. Honestly, he was a, he was a dick and I just not a fan of the dude. He has some great songs, obviously like Norwegian Wood, but you know, imagine, imagine dude, that song fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> I, I've never liked that song. It's so overrated. Oh my God. It's a cheesier version of let it be. <sighs> It really oh, is. Yeah. He no, ripped off no, Let It, it Be, like the structure of Let It Be. He took the, remember I was talking about the sauce, the template, the pizza yeah. sauce? He <laughs> took the sauce from Let It Be and made his own thing, and it was annoying. Uh, yeah, Imagine's rough. I easily, e- I can easily turn that song off and, or just skip it because it's not, it's so bad. Well, it's not bad, it's just lame. It's a yeah. lame song. Okay, so... Uh, is that all we got on on Norwegian Wood? What do you think? Yeah, that's that's all my notes. That was a lot. I mean, on it, it is kind of like anybody who who has been following the Beatles for their entire life and know everything, and listen to this probably think we're complete fucking idiots. But I mean, there's just there's so much written about these songs and this album and everything about the Beatles. It's just it becomes like not even fun at a certain point. I feel like you this know, is the band that's just been so dissected. To the extreme. It it is true, but there's there's one thing. Actually, there's a couple things that that aren't discussed that much, and that is, and dude, I say it constantly, and I'm gonna say it again right now. Underdeveloped emotionally, this band and these guys, (laughs) like they didn't. You can't, dude. Like, look at like 
child stars. You can't be thrust into the limelight and miss your late teens to your uh, all of your twenties. Yeah, you you yeah. you need to make mistakes, and this is a band that just we're constantly touring, constantly putting on shows, constantly oh, in movies. Wild. And it's just like they, they missed their twenties. And when you miss like those, those formative years of your life, you become a product of your label, of your manager, of your producer. This is a band that, that shouldn't have had an identity. And that's why rubber soul is so important is because they took that back rubber soul itself, right? A play on mm. like the plastic soul type of thing yeah. and rubber yeah. soul, rubber being resilient, coming back. This is a band that should not have had an identity and they came back with an identity, with a strong identity and, and something that will live like forever. And again, you take out the four albums that are both in our top four. This band is essentially <laughs> nobody's. But yeah, damn, you're right. Yeah, they, they the needed identity. this ambition. To Dude, the identity of this band starts with this album. Yeah, it starts with right. the other song that I mentioned earlier, but this album Nowhere specifically. Man? Or no, the uh, I've just seen a face. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. When well, we talked about that on the rankings, on, from Help, like that's that's where it really starts. This band is a band that they love girls, they love money, they love fame, but then all of a sudden they're like, "Holy fuck, dude! This is not the life that we signed up for." Yeah. And then they stop touring. They stop doing commercials. They stop doing videos. They stop doing movies. And now they're putting out Rubber Soul on their own time. Yeah, I know. And then it's funny because like, well, okay, so so what, what was so, I mean, I've always known that, you know, the Beatles were never around for a long time, that they, they when they were a touring band, they toured so much. But I didn't realize the extent of it until this week. And I mean kind of looking back like they were they were like a bar band in germany you know they, they they were like the house band for a bar or they had a residency at a bar in hamburg germany for a while and then then they were kind of discovered there and then they went back to england recorded their first record with ringo because they got the new drummer and then they just like they blew up they they played on tv like after like one or two singles had been out they are already playing on tv and then it was just like tour, 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 like international tours, not just like, not, not just the UK, but fucking going to Asia, going to the US and they were going everywhere. Like they did not stop and they were recording albums between, the, between all these tours. And then, and then I, I get to the part like about Rubber Soul and they're like, oh yeah, they were finally able to take some time and record this record. And then you look how long it took to record and it took like 18 days. Yeah. What? Like what? it was like, like nothing. That was, that's a long time. That's a long time to record a record. I that's unheard of. I I, I, could, I mean I just the timeline of this band is just, it's so wild to me. I mean, ten years as a band, eight thirteen records in eight years plus the four movies. It's it's unreal. It's unreal that that they even lasted as long as they did, and didn't suffer from burnout. Like had they ca- had they continued to tour, they, they were young, dude. Like you, but you still, have un- come on, unlimited dude, energy when you're 20. Like it just, does, dude. This is, I mean, looking at that schedule, I mean, I don't. Dude, I, we used to go drinking till like two in the morning, four in the morning, and then we wake up at like eight. Yeah, and then go to the gym, and then work, and then drink and do it again four or five days a week. Yeah, like. Uh, just the amount of energy you have in your early 20s, and that's why it's so sad, dude. George Martin, like. 
smart dude, but clearly took advantage of these guys for so fucking long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like a sweatshop for these guys, and they didn't understand it. They didn't realize it until Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul was the first time that they were just like, hey, dude, we got a minute. We're going to make this album for us. We don't like because they fucking do. They hated doing their pop shit at this point. Hated <laughs> it. They could not stand it. They felt it was weird. They felt disconnected from the music when they were singing Love, Love Me Do and, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. They felt stupid doing it because they're stupid fucking songs and they were outdated. They're almost outdated at the time they recorded it. True, and so yeah. finally they had a time for themselves and they wrote an album like Rubber Soul, which is probably the most personal thing that they've ever written not the best but the most personal thing that they've ever written yeah i would say so i would say so because after this point they were just kind of going into the studio and just pushing pushing the limit or pushing like how far that they can go you know sonically and and everything like that like it wasn't it was never as intimate as rubber soul was Sgt. Peppers and Revolver were not like that. I mean, it was it was obviously more drug fueled and just let's see what we can do and just make sounds. (laughs) That's that's really what those records were, or at least what's what they seemed like. And then once they got that out of their system, obviously, then, you know, you get the transition of magical mystery into, you know, white Abbey Road and, and let it be. But yeah, this 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 album is is truly, truly remarkable. It seems like 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 Rubber Souls is like their first kiss. It's like them starting something completely different. Like you hold hands in middle school, but with that first kiss, man, that's dude. All bets are off. That's that's an entirely new ball game. <laughs> and and their first four are just like they're holding. I want to hold your hand. They're just fucking holding hands. They're hugging, and all of a sudden Rubber Soul hits, and it's like their first kiss, and it's just it's something entirely different. It's on a different plane, and it really is musically. Sonically, lyrically, everything about Rubber Soul is is drastically different, and it's 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 laying the groundwork for for Rubber or uh, for Sergeant Pepper's, mm-hmm. and it's it's sad. And the more we do these these episodes, the more like the more we realize that management and record labels really do suck the life out of people. Like they make these people like famous forever, heroes, even legends. Yeah. But at what cost, man? Like these guys lost their twenties. Yeah, that sucks. But, and, and also, you see why these bands only last for no more than ten years, or if that. I mean, look at CCR; they were around for what six, maybe seven years. Not good look three years. That, yeah. Oh yeah, even less. Yeah, now that you mention it. But I mean, look. But look all the shit that they put out. I mean, that's that's it's 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 crazy, crazy, crazy to think about it. I don't and, know. And, and and these are like these are like like life lifelong effects based off of a, a, a small amount of, of really, really good years. But like the Beatles had 10 years that were really, really good from beginning to end really. Yeah. And, but like at what cost? Like we had really, really good years in our, our twenties. Yeah. But absolutely. there's no like lingering effects of those. And, and Paul McCartney's like, like, like you said, like multiple times throughout the history of this podcast, he's one of those guys that is just, He's kind of larger than life. He's one of those few rock stars, one of those few famous people that were, if you were to meet him in real life, it would just be like, wow. Yeah. That's, it's, holy shit. What do I say to somebody like it's that? It's almost like I would rather not meet him. He's not a person at that point. Like, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't seem real. Like it's, he's one of like McCartney, Jimmy Page is another one. Robert Plant is another one. 
just you get these these small handful of people that just they they're not real to me and i feel like i would rather not meet them than meet them because i don't know what i would say to them there's I, literally I, nothing you could say because you think yeah. they are larger than life and that's the way they've been they've been presented forever yeah. and it sucks because they probably think that way also because they don't know what it's like to be a normal person because forever <laughs> True, they've yeah. been bred to be a rock star and it's it's sad it really is sad i think it's sad i think it's terrible well i wouldn't say it's sad or terrible but it is sad like we're we're at their expense of their life and i'm sure you know like they 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 have some great stories and they've partied and they've had some, a lot of fun they met a lot of really cool people and wives and girlfriends and best friends whatever but i don't know there's there, there's just something to be said about us about, about us proletariats over here okay damn you with that fucking fucking wordly wise fucking word right there sure 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 <laughs> bougie i ain't no bougie baby <laughs> <laughs> all right um where where were we we, we talked about one song i know so so let's get into your your bb which is nowhere Dude, man. nowhere man this is my 5b by the way 5b I, it's understandable 5B. that's an ugly it is honestly it is an ugly harm sound no, it's, it's not. It's ugly. It is. They, John and Paul together sound great. Add anybody else in there, and it becomes ugly. No, and I, I think it's ugly. It's verbed up, and it's just, it's just not pleasant. And Harrison's not like a great singer, at all. And <laughs> and you throw him in there, and it's just, it's ugly. It's ugly. I I don't agree with you there. Are you just talking about like when they're saying nowhere, man, or they're singing the, nowhere, the, man? Before any of the music starts, it's just a harm. And yeah. that's ugly. Yeah. Well, it's not ugly, but I mean, it is kind of a weird way to start a song on this record. It's supposed to be ugly, though, because Nowhere Man itself is this, is this introspective song Leonard wrote about essentially feeling like a loser. And to start off the song sounding kind of ugly, that's, I mean, it's I guess it's relatable. Uh, it's it's yeah. relatable. We all, we all get down on ourselves sometimes and think that we're losers and we're going nowhere. But the way, <laughs> like, the way this song is, 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 great is how it progresses it goes from being you know like back i'm a loser baby why don't you give me remember that song yeah and i don't i don't understand beck i don't dude beck's I don't so good it. i don't I, I don't get it dude guero really beck e-pro come on okay all right uh, i'm not well, i'm not a beckman oh that's good stuff all right actually all backs are good stuff beck the beer great jeff beck great guitarist beck awesome 90s david beckham uh, alternative i like david beckham he's cool <laughs> mary posh spice i mean what more do you want that's cool not that he was a great soccer player but that's fine um anyway nowhere man i i don't agree with you that it sounds ugly i mean it sounds different in a little little it just sounds different it, it's, not, it's not a good harm it's not a good harm it's like if you me and ryan harmed it would just it wouldn't be but, good like yeah it would be there but it wouldn't be do good. you remember do you remember when we did the NSYNC pod a long time ago and the three of us harmed and we, we all stopped and then there was that, that silence and we realized, wow, that was really good. But there's no way we could ever recreate that. Do you remember that? What, what song were we doing though? We were doing a, we, we were harming. Gonna, uh, gonna, gonna, yeah. gonna. Yeah. And the three of us did that, that, that ascension, I guess you could say, is it ascension? Yeah, the, sure. And it, it was perfect. It's not, and it's all recorded. We got it recorded, and it was all like perfectly in in tune. 
It was really I, weird. I, I got to listen to that one again because it cause... was it was very surprising, and it, <laughs> it like it shocked the three of us, and we all stopped and and we were silent, and then we all started laughing because we couldn't believe that how, you know, it was spot on. <laughs> I, I will say that it was impressive, and none of us can sing at all. No. no. Purely accidental. Accidental. But that's what this. I don't know. That's what that interest sounds like to me. I, I, why do you like this song? I don't understand why you like this song so much. Then. Like all I, you've done I, is talk shit on it. Because I like that. I. It's not. It's 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 a nuanced song. It's not. It's not straightforward as as you know like Michelle, which is my two B. But Michelle is a straightforward Ooh. song. Like there's all these songs that are straightforward, and Beatles have done so many things before that that are just straightforward songs that you know where they're going, you know what's going to happen. Nowhere Man starts ugly, and I like that. I like that it starts ugly. I like that it develops within itself. It's a story. It's it's kind of it's kind of like a guy talking into the mirror, thinking about himself, thinking about his own life. And again, like like my theme of tonight is development and that is musically and emotionally from these guys and more than ever nowhere man sits as my number one like just okay even more so now because i think these guys developed as people for this one and finally realized they need to stop being taken advantage of even though they still continue to be taken advantage of but this was like the first time when they realized you know let's make a record for us fuck everybody let's do it for us and that's they did. that's that's nowhere, man. Yeah, they did a really good job of it too. Um, okay, uh, and it, also like kind of how this was the, the a short, very short synopsis of the story of how the song was written lyrically was that they were they were in the studio, Paul and John were, and they were just having writer's block. They could not figure out where to go with the song or what they should do next. So John went and had a lie down, as people would say in the UK. And, um, and he said he he was just, he was laying there and just, he couldn't think of anything. So he just started like thinking badly about himself and that's kind of where it came from. Like he completely just kind of emptied his mind and then the song just came out of nowhere, which is, it's but so weird. Dude, it's, that is the stuff that you think when you're like 17, not when you're 24, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. like you you get that kind of down on yourself. You get that kind of depression and like everybody goes through. It. It's just it's teen angst. But with them it's it's middle 20 angst. And that's why they've missed that part of their life. Now they're thinking teen angst and they're they're t- mid 20s. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like they're going through their teen they oh my god, dude, like George Martin. What He's like the Jeff Tremaine of of this band. Ooh, like Jeff Tremaine. Dude, he totally is. Like George Martin did not let these kids be kids at all. He he slaved these kids away and it was fucked up. It's an interesting comparison. Especially in Maybe. in light of all the stuff going on with Bam Margera. It's very But it's true. Dude, it's totally true. And like Paul has hit it very well, but I don't think Paul knows what it's like to be a normal person. And well, yeah, he's I mean, he's a nice guy and and you know, he's he's nice and you never really read anything bad about him, but He's not a person. He's 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 a he's, he's larger. He's than one life. of the Beatles. Yeah. He really is. He's one of the Beatles. Yeah, I'm. Like I that said, sucks. I don't know what the fuck I'd ever say to the guy. Maybe, I, I, maybe I'm speaking out of just pure jealousy. I don't know. Maybe I need to need to do like an introspective on my own feelings. I don't know. It was an emotional <laughs> day. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. that's how I feel yeah. about this band. I feel like they 
they were there was something good in the beginning and George Martin took advantage of them, pushed them, pushed them, pushed them, pushed them, made a fuck ton of money and then kind of was like, all right, cool, dude. Like you're on your own. But that, it's guys. also kind of frustrating too, because I mean, I, I'm not a fan of John Lennon really, but after the Beatles split in 70, Lennon came out and, and was criticizing George Martin a lot saying like, what is he, what has he done? He didn't write these songs. Like, give me one song that, because everybody was praising George Martin, what he did for the Beatles and his significance in, with the Beatles. But then Lennon came out and said, no, he, he's, he's nothing. He's pretty much, he pretty much said he's like garbage. And like, give me one song that he wrote that, that was popular. And that kind of arrogance really irritated me because, you know, I kind of get what he's saying, but the way Lennon was kind of presenting it was very annoying and gross. Like George Martin, yeah, he he probably was taking advantage of them, but had he not done what he had done, he would have been the band would have never been nearly as big. But that's 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 the question right there. That is the question. It's it's like yes, George Martin, the the, the Beatles, he produced almost every fucking everyone but one of their albums. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's like it, had it not been for George Martin, the Beatles would not be the Beatles. We wouldn't even be here talking about the Beatles. But yeah, at what true. expense is that? At the expense of losing their their late teens and their their twenties, like like true. But he was he was older than. But they then were. also, but also, do any of the four guys in the in the band? Do they I, honestly? They probably don't have any regrets. Because well, they, they don't know any better. It doesn't matter. But but it as does you, matter. But as you grow, as you grow as an adult, you begin to look back and understand. Okay, I was taken advantage of then, but none of the guys have come forward and said, "Oh." Because they never grew up. Uh, They've never grown up. George, he was like 20 years older than them. He's the adult in this situation. (laughs) That's why you see like, like, like Stockholm syndrome type shit where like an adult takes advantage of someone younger and then beats it into their mind over the years that, you know, I am your master. And that's, that's what happened with these guys. They, they don't, they never grew up. They never got a chance. Yeah. Sad. What extent, do you mean to yeah. an extent? To an extent, yeah. John Lennon was the only one who said George Martin was a dick, and then you shit all over him. <laughs> but then continue to work with him for ten years. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. It's like if you if you because it's like if you understood this years prior, why not cut ties? But then no, because there's there's plenty of examples out there where someone who is who is demeaned or beaten either physically emotionally whatever stays with the person and and i'm not saying that george martin was abusive in any way but i no. definitely 100 percent think that he robbed these these guys of their of their 20s and Maybe, it made for yeah, great music extent, and yeah. and here we are talking about it it's awesome it's great but it is sad to see as kids miss out on like their formative years that that they'll they'll cherish forever for yeah. some for some fucking weekend pussy at at whatever club they were playing <laughs> in 1963 but also when we were 21 22 we would go out and do shit like that too so it's not really that much different they just did it on a bigger level it is different because the difference is we had to work for our shit and then when we go well, out they did too 
they, well, they, they did. They extensively. They, they worked but their we had off. We had time to sit around for days at a time and just play Mario Kart and fuck around and not worry about anything in the world. We didn't even drink sometimes. We just sit around enjoying each other's company without doing anything else except being happy for just doing nothing. <laughs> and I think that's something the Beatles, that these guys never were never able to do. There at least always the first, a deadline. Like, at least like the first three or four years. But that's a long time. It is. What, like it is. all the stuff that we did from twenty to twenty-five in those five years. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do anything <laughs> to this level, obviously, but eh, whatever. We were bigger than in the Beatles. The Beatles were bigger than Jesus, but we were bigger than the Beatles. That's true. That's a good point. So people, really you might say that we were bigger than Jesus. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, do you remember on Angry Beavers when they they did the Beatles <laughs> spoof, and and Daggett said that they were bigger than sliced bread. And then there was like <laughs> no. a huge, yeah, because I don't know if you remember, but it was a Beaver Fever that was their big hit, and that, they, Love that they were, song. yeah, and so so yeah, that they had this the big press conference mocking you know the Beatles, and they said yeah, Daggett said yeah, we're bigger than sliced bread, and then everybody turned on him, and oh, that's uh, so good, it's so stupid. See that that's something as a kid like I didn't pick <laughs> up on, and like now oh, yeah, if I yeah. watched it, that would be so fucking cool. Yeah, it's really silly. Really, really beaver, beaver, beaver. That's a great song. That's great a good song. song. Okay, I'm gonna play a little bit of Nowhere Man. So, so here it is from the Beatles. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land. There you go. Nowhere Man from the Beatles. Dude, that's a killer song, man. I don't know why. Banger. I, I don't know why you talk so much shit, but okay. It's your best song. <laughs> All right. So um, your 2B was Michelle, right? Yeah. Okay, that's my 2B as well. Oh, damn, girl. Yeah, that is my 2B as well. I I think this is um, just, this is a another perfect song. This is Paul's the way he sings it is just so it's just so soothing and i guess just like pretty or just like beautiful i, I don't know it's it's that's just like it's exactly the only way perfect the, that's yes 
this is the only way to describe his 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 singing on this song it's just beautiful I, I don't know and i know the lyrically like what he says in french is really stupid but it's so endearing when you hear him actually say it that's the point right it's, they, <laughs> yeah, this is the it's one i was so talking annoying. about earlier this is uh, a band these are a bunch of guys in their teens and 20s that want to just get girls and that's yeah that's fine that's that's cool and then here like we think this is some you know some like cool french thing but he's just saying the same shit that he just said but he's just saying in french, french and yeah. the story behind it is is he would speak french to impress girls him and john so would the both girls, do it. so they would like girls would think that they're french and they would dupe girls into thinking that they're more sophisticated than they are <laughs> and that's it's such a teenage thing to do, you know. In their mid twenties. Yeah, I know. I know. This is stuff you do when you're seventeen, eighteen, not when you're twenty-five. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it, so I missed it. Realizing what this was actually about or what inspired it, kind of less like kind of not. I wouldn't say ruined the song, but it it kind of lessened its its um, effect, I guess. Because like it, it's a beautifully written song, musically, you know, vocal. I mean, every, in melody wise, it, it's it's just so perfect. But then you get you find out what the lyrics are about, and it's just so stupid. Well, you feel it, it kind of kills it. Yeah, you, you do. You feel like one of those girls he was trying to dupe. Like I, I that's know how I felt. He duped I us. Felt used. Yeah, I, 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 we were taken advantage of. We were taken advantage of by Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. It is. It's. It's. <laughs> His French isn't even that good. Like when you mm-hmm. really, when you really get into it, it's not even that good. It's it's how we would we would say a phrase in, in, in French. Like it's it's very, you know what I mean. Like like yeah. I don't know. How, however, you, whatever this is a phrase for that, but it's just, it's not even that good. It's just man, I, I love I love the note progressions. I love the bass playing. I love that the song allows for for Paul to sort of be on his own with the mm-hmm. bass line. And his vocals, and it just, and, and like Ringo's there, but he's just providing like a metronome only, and it's really just Paul and his bass line going at it. Because I, I don't think they would ever allow just Paul and the bass to go on by no, themselves. Of course not. They have to have the drums in there. But and there's parts in here too that like it sounds like he's throwing out bass chords and not just hitting notes, mm-hmm. which I thought was super dope. And then there's like climb, there's a climb in octaves before the guitar solo. And he goes up and up and up and up all the way up, mm-hmm. and he climbs an entire octave, and it's, it's money. And this is, <laughs> it is. seven <laughs> seven songs deep, and I was I was just like, holy fuck, dude, he's, wow, he's this really is like good. A forgotten, this is like a forgotten gem for the Beatles. I feel it's popular, but it's it's often overlooked, and it's such a shame because there's it's 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 an amazing song, and and that that guitar solo, that the tone in that guitar. I've never really heard anything like it. Like it doesn't even sound like a guitar. It sounds like a like a like a horned instrument or something like that. It's it's weird. I've it's such a weird tone, but it, it adds to the like the tone of the of the song as well. Like yeah, there's there's for sure a know. mood to it, and 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 Paul's singing is isn't so high in this one. I mean, this is a ballad through and through, and it's he's oh, but it's a perfect ballad. He's singing lower than he can. Like, like mm-hmm. he could easily sing a way higher, but he's singing lower to kind of like bring it down as if like that, that old trick, you know, that you're trying to trick some girl into getting close where you talk a little bit quieter. So they lean in so they can hear what you're saying type of thing. 
like this whole song is revolving around trying to trick a girl into going to bed with you. Yeah. And given that, like it's perfect. Whether or not you agree with that, whatever, but that's beside the point. But that's that's the entirety of this song. He's singing lower to kind of create the mood. Like imagine candles, lower lighting. He's singing lower. He's talking quieter. Like all of these things lend to to the tone, to the to the theme of the song. It's it, it's a perfectly crafted song, and it's 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 a perfectly crafted song by someone in their mid twenties who just want to bang <laughs> chicks. <laughs> That's yeah. what's going on. It's just, it's fucking great. And we and were all duped. And I was fucking duped twice when I listened to this. And then I read the lyrics. I was like, holy shit, you duped me twice, bro. I know, right? It's, it's, when you hear it, it sounds like he's just, he's in love with this person. And, and it, it almost like, when you hear it, I don't even necessarily feel it's like about like a lover. Like it, it could be about anybody like it's it's just it just seems so his the way he presents the song and the way he sings the song seems almost like ambiguous in a way like it could be about anybody and that's kind of what i i've i've always been i've always been kind of drawn to about this song is that it's nothing very specific besides the name it's nothing very specific it's just more of like a a tone or a i don't know what i'm trying to say here no that makes sense because yeah like michelle i mean it could be fucking anything yeah past present future and there's a song on here where they talk about like kind of like a future girl like a perfect girl they want to meet or whatever but michelle doesn't have to be even like gender specific it, it can literally just be anything yeah and that's that's that's, that's, that's the tone how, of this that's how i've always felt about it since the moment i heard the song i i felt like it was just it was something so much more than just it was something so, so much more abstract i guess you could say I don't know, but, but then it's, totally, but it's not. totally not. It's such a bummer, man. It's such a bummer. No, that's what makes it so innocent and great. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Like it doesn't have to be so complex and just abstract, like you said, and and very, very about anything. It's 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 very it's very childish, and I love that. I love that these guys went from being a childish pop band to putting on this this facade where they've matured, but really they're they're still children here. They are children yeah. in this fucking band. And this album, when this album came out, like I said, they're in their early to mid-20s. They're still kids. And they're writing music as kids, but they're just way more complex than any other kid would ever write. <laughs> and the way he also sings, like, the way he sings the, the lyrics, too, they're, like, done in, like, a very swingy way. Like, the, like I'm not even going to try to sing it. No, I that was good. Go ahead. It. But, like, did. it's that dun, it's just that dun, 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 dun. It, it's just it's, I don't it's know. Very, it, all of this is very show tunes. It's very vaudeville. It's very ragtime. It's very but it's not annoying. You know, it's it's slowed down. It's more dramatic than than you know a ragtime or, or show tunes or whatever. Yeah, it's, but at at their best, I mean, I I like a lot of that stuff. But at, at their best, everything flows well. I mean, everything yeah. swings. Everything blends together. There's no stopping, and that's that's this song from verses to the bridge and. Everything is everything flows well. It's just one continuous motion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm going to play a little bit of Michelle because it's a banger. So here it is from the Beatles.
There you go, Michelle from the Beatles. To be on this record, uh, I mean, we 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 didn't really touch even upon the the harms in this song as well. It's it's so good, man. It's so good. I, I feel I like we'll never do this album justice. I mean, this would have to be like a six hour podcast there, to do this album justice, honestly, because there's so much to talk about in every song. We would need to be a Beatles podcast to do true any one of their albums justice to be honest there's just like you said there's too much written about them there's too much information they've been around for far too long but not not like like literally but metaphorically they've been around for far too long they're so ingrained in american culture that i'm an american band they're an american band so it's just it's crazy it's crazy how big the beatles are still today and still fucking today but um, I don't know. I, I was reading also, too, there was a lot of inspiration from the song coming from uh, Chet Atkins. Chet Atkins, okay. guitarist, yeah, guitarist. Uh, finger picker from the 50s, 60s. And that kind of like bass line alongside like the melody, but picked mm-hmm. by the same person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot Maybe of that going on. And there's a specific song by Chet Atkins. I can't remember what the name was, but... Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some similarities to that. I mean, obviously not on the, on the extent that Chet Atkins ever did it, but it's there. It's mm-hmm. there. I hear it. I hear, I hear the, uh, the inspiration. I can tell that they're trying to go for like the classical style guitarists always do it crazy good where they're doing like a bass line with one hand and then picking with the other hand would makes for a full sound mm-hmm. from one guy. And the Michelle is just it's that song, man. It's, it's, it's all encompassing. And that, that goes along the lines of a guy trying to be both like the bad guy and the good guy, the bad guy, the baseline, the good guy, the high parts trying to do everything all at once, trying to impress somebody with all of their might. And I think, (laughs) man, it's just, it's it's such a banger of a song. It's so good. I didn't, dude, I fucking, this song surprised me more than any other song on this album this week. It's, it's a, it's, it's a hidden gem for sure. I think in their it was supposed catalog. to be a single too. Like they didn't choose it as a single because it's slower, and they're like, ah, slower songs shouldn't be singles. It should be faster songs. And, but like, no, dude, people wrong. love this fucking song. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing song. I I love it. I love it. So so then, what what do you got for your three B? Three B was Norwegian Wood for me. Oh okay. So uh, so then we'll go with my three B. I guess uh, I got. I'm looking through you. Toward the I'm end of the looking record. through you. What did I know? That's my seven B. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. And just the, the the guitar tone on it too is just so kind of crunchy and but very like crunchy and dry and warm sounding. It's it's a weird guitar tone, but it it it's it's an amazing song. So this is a. The, Paul pretty much wrote this song. He he's lead vocals on this one. Um, I I just feel like this is this song just kind of like drives along. It's it it doesn't really ever stop. There's some really cool guitar parts, like I was saying, uh, outside of the guitar tone. And I mean, you could just go back and forth and sing this like you and I just did. And this is another one of those songs where I felt like I learned this song lyric, like I learned the lyrics to the song just so quickly. It's it's these songs are just unbelievably catchy. Every song on this record, unbelievably catchy. 
I love it. I love I'm looking through. That's my that's that's my three B. What, what do you got on this one? These, I mean, I, I I agree so much on like everything you said, and and so much on the catchiness factor because the first time you hear like I want to hold your hand, that's a catchy song. Like it's hands down, it's a catchy song, mm-hmm. but there's no it's 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 surface at all. I, I, at most, it's surface. That is it. There's nothing deeper in that. I'm looking through you is one of those catchy songs that almost on the same level as their their biggest singles from like their first three or four albums i'm looking through you is one that that burns it burns Mm -hmm. and you listen to it once and that just that i'm looking through you part the way he kind of strains his vocals and in the later part of through you it's just that stuff burns into you and it becomes it becomes like like that that i'm blue song by by eiffel 65 65. it's (laughs) that kind of catchiness like it burns into you and one day you're just driving and you're just like, I'm looking through you. Like, holy fuck, why did I sing that? Because I would never, ever hum to myself, like, I want to hold your hand. But that's a catchy yeah, song. It is. But yeah, I'm looking is. through you. It happened to me several times. And it's just that part. It burns. It gets in yeah. there. It digs. It digs. It's so fantastic. I just, like, that's my favorite part is how he says through you. It's, it's strained. It's, but it's I don't not know, like. It, it, it's all it, it's strained and it's loud, but it's not like overindulgent. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's, there, there's one song. Oh my god, what album was it off of? It was like off one of the earlier records. Like Lennon just like belts like this note out, and it's just it's so American Idol and so gross sounding. But this song could have easily been that, but the for whatever reason, the way Paul sing sings the "I'm looking through you" part, it. It it's not it doesn't make you uncomfortable because it's so like bad. I don't yeah, know if any of that makes any sense. No, that's but, that's uh, what I wrote. I I feel it's a more like honest presentation because it's strained because it's not it's not like pinpoint accurate of a perfect pitch or whatever. Yeah, he's there's not a like little bit to show off. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of grit to it. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of punk to it. It's just it's 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 honest. Yeah, yeah. And it's then also good. the like the the con- like the really good fast hand claps that are randomly thrown into the song, I love it too. Like they they're only in in there for maybe like one bar or two bars, but it and they're super quick. They're kind of like buried in the mix a little bit. I I don't know. They're just like perfectly placed and timed into the song. I, I fucking amazing. Song. I mean this this song has this cool like sort of folk vibage to it. And then, like, adding their psychedelic Beatles spin to it. And even though this is not considered, like, a psychedelic album, dude, there's a lot of sounds here that are psychedelic precursors to what everybody else was going to do in America. Like, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of the guitar tones. Like, that is it. Like, Jefferson Airplane and Starship made a career out of those tones. There's yeah. a ton of stuff here that the Beatles were doing. And this is not even a psychedelic album. It's It's... It's more folk based than almost anything, but oh, it's not totally. even like, and like yeah, they 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 were influenced by Bob Dylan and stuff, but it's not like that kind of folk. It's more of like a, like a Renaissance esque folk, like playing for the king type of folk music rather than <laughs> an Americanized folk. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and precursor thank, to blues music type of folk. And thank God there's no harmonica on this record, not a well, single harmonica. Well, we don't. We don't know what it could have added. To be fair, well, it would have 
destroyed or not destroyed, but it would have diminished the greatness of some of these songs had there been a harmonica. This fucking guy. Dude, seriously, can you imagine any of these songs with a harmonica? It just wouldn't work. It, it would, no fucking way. There's no fucking way a harmonica would work on. Any honestly, the honestly the only song I think they could have worked it in is Norwegian Wood. That is the only song I think that it no, may have worked. It's, it's too loud. just because it's so eclectic. No, because that th- that song is too quiet for a harmonica. Like harmonicas are, are they're too loud. They're just they're gross. They're they're loud and gross. I don't know why you hate harmonicas because so they sound just, like shit. They're fantastic. No, they sound like shit. Harmonicas are terrible. You're terrible. I hate that instrument. I, I fucking hate harmonicas. I, uh, dude, your your distaste for harmonicas is just <laughs> they're one of the worst instruments. Dude, put put me in prison. Give me a harmonica. I'm set for the next you know forty years. Or well, you got nothing else to do, right? You sixty well play harmonica. Sixty plus years. Or Hell, triple I'd fucking, life sentence. Whatever. I'd fucking learn how to play harmonica too if I had a life sentence. If, if you'd be <laughs> you would be given a life sentence and they would they would offer you like a harmonica or nothing, he's that I will have nothing. I have no, nothing. <laughs> Jack Black style. <laughs> that I will have nothing. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I I might as well just play a little bit of I'm looking through you and then get into the lyrics a little bit, or do you want to get into into the lyrics first? What do you think? Whatever you want to do, kid, whatever you want to do. Fuck it. Let's play a little bit. So here's uh, I'm looking through you from the Beatles. looking through you from the Beatles dude it's that that guitar tone leading into the chorus is that dun, 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 dun. it's just that I, I don't even know what how to even explain how he's playing that but it it's so catchy and almost like very uh, complex for the Beatles and very fast almost like um like a like a thrash song almost that yeah, little guitar it. riff. It's it's very thrash. It's very Metallica or very uh Slayer, but obviously, you know, way less distortion and, and stuff like that. But the the what they were going for is very much what Metallica and Slayer do. But I, I think this I think this song is is 
is really nuanced. Like you got Ringo, he's doing the stripped down percussion thing. He's not like relying on traditional yeah. drum patterns. And then also that it's hectic, that hectic guitar that immediately follows like the I'm looking through you part. Like that's, that's, that's crazy fast. And it's, it's almost like, like George has been just sitting back, letting Paul and ring or Paul and uh, John harming with each other, waiting for his time to just let loose and shred. Mm-hmm. And that's, it just, it's, it's, it's like an eruption of, of sound, but like the tone on that sound, that's like psychedelic fucking rock, dude. That is the tone that they used. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so cool. Like I hear, man, just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a newly found grateful deadhead, but I hear a lot of that tone, a lot of it. So I mean, their obviously the dead took a lot from the Beatles. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Most bands. Tone tone wise for sure. Makes sense. Also, I, I kind of noticed too the the drumming, the percussion because it it's I've always thought they're hand claps the the really fast like thing that he does during the verses are hand claps, but it could be something else. What do you think they're hand claps? For sure they're hand claps. Okay, I cuz it it kind of doesn't sound like it when you really think about it. So I don't know, and then just the the transition between the percussive that percussive part of it and then the actual drum kit, it's almost like it's it's not structured properly. Like he comes in earlier or later into the verses, then he does another verses or choruses. Like he, it's 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 a mess of a song, honestly. It's truly a mess of a song, but damn, it's good. It's really fucking good. And, it really is um, a mess of a song. Yeah, it's it's all over the place, but I love it. Um, and I this is the, this song probably has some of my favorite lyrics on the record. I feel like it's one of the most vulnerable and one of the most honest lyrics on the entire record. This is like Paul kind of talking about um, uh, his 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 girlfriend at the time, Jane Asher, and saying how he doesn't really recognize her anymore as a person. Like she still looks the same, but she's not who he who it's she's not the same person that he met back when like she because she was now at, at this point in real life she was pursuing an acting career she wasn't reliant on on paul or anything the beatles were doing so she was trying to make her own life and it was kind of like a selfish way of looking at her at his relationship and i felt like it was very it's a very honest thing especially for this band at the time when obviously everything they were doing before was so pop oriented so I, I think these are some of the best lyrics on the record. In this See, song. That's, that's again, yes, this is like you're in a relationship and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you don't even recognize the person you're with. And this is, this is coming from a band who, who up until this point, no one has probably told them no, right? Like no groupie, no girl, it, whatever they wanted, like they've always gotten and now this, this this girl Jane Asher is wanting to make a life for hers. And she was an actor before she met him too, like the, or an actress before she met him. She was yeah. doing things before that anyway. So the fact that he thought she was going to give up a life and just be like her side piece or his side piece—that's stupid and, and conceited and, and immature, selfish. Yeah. But that's that's the band. Like that's <laughs> yes, it's vulnerable. It's immature, but it's yeah, like you said, it's it's. It's honest. It's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I like so much about it. It's not, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice in the context of some of these other songs that are just like the, like the Norwegian wood song. I mean, I I think it's an amazing song, but the lyrics are like, they're kind of, they're pretty fucked up. They're pretty fucked up. Cause John Lennon in, isn't that great of a per- or wasn't that great of a person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like it's, so I, I didn't read like a lot about. I mean, I did read a lot about. It, it was just a lot of stuff to, to intake and, and remember. But to think that that to think that none of these guys were were faithful or anything, they were just mm-hmm. young, and and that's not like an excuse. It's just it's it's they don't know better. They don't. They really don't know better. True. And for John yeah. Lennon to be unfaithful, and it, it, it honestly, it almost seems like the way Paul was to. Jane is like the way Yoko was to John, right? Like, like Paul wanted to control Jane and he didn't, she didn't want to, she wanted to go off on her own, but it's like Yoko controlled John, but he just, he succumbed to it. And for whatever yeah. reason, and it, 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 it spelled disaster and, and whether or not it was good or bad, it's, it's just, it's control. And I think that John had never, like these guys have just never had anybody tell them no or have anybody tell them what to do in their life. And you think that's, I mean, now that you say it, that you bring it up this way, you think maybe that's why John Lennon was just so head over heels for Yoko Ono because she was the complete opposite of everything he had known because Absolutely. she was so controlling. I mean, it had to have been it because clearly she was very controlling over his entire life. Like like we see with other rock stars, right? Like 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 Pinkerton, for instance, R- Rivers, his song "I'm Tired of Sex." Like, mm. as a rock star, I can only imagine how many times you can be with with somebody, with different people every single night until it probably gets tiring, and you get to something new, something different, someone that doesn't treat you or doesn't idolize you the way everybody else does, like Yoko with John, and and it's it's intriguing. It's it makes you feel normal. It makes you feel like a person rather than just like a rock star. And I think like ultimately that's what these guys all miss was that that transitional phase of being like a kid to a teen to a young adult into an adult. They went straight from like kid to rock star. And then the way Yoko made John feel was like a normal person, which no one had ever made John feel like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But then, you know, like like in Spider-Man, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And now that you have John in the, in the palm of your hand, you can make him do whatever you want. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so that's them. Uh, I feel oh bad man. for these guys. I really do. Eh, I do a little bit. A little bit. So then what's your, uh, what's your 4B? Oh, I'm deleting my notes for... I'm looking through you. Okay, I must. Okay, I'm looking fun. through. Yeah, I'm deleting my notes. <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. Oh my god! That, like normally, you you can you can pass you can pass, but dude, that was that was like one of your worst. That because was one of your worst. There's not even close to being enough syllables, and like I'm it deleting my notes so till I'm looking through you. <laughs> it was it was not even like interchangeable in any way. Wow. <laughs> my uh, my 4B is. You won't see me. The third track. Ah, okay. You won't see me. And then mm-hmm. just that the backing harms. Oh my god, dude! This is this is. I love I love this melody. It's it's a little broken, 
mm-hmm. like in its in its delivery, and that's what makes it fun to sing along to. And then the second verse, oh, dude. So the like, I don't remember this song until this week, and I was like, oh, this is a fucking good song. And then the second verse hits, and I'm all excited for like another chance to hit that bubblegum pop melody. And then they hit <laughs> me with the harms. They hit yeah. me with the harms in the second verse, and I about lost my shit. I was, I just, I sat down and wow, didn't see that coming. Got me, got me, <laughs> loved it. There's so many moments like that on this entire record, though, too. Oh my god, this is my, uh, this is my eight B. You won't see me as my eight B. Uh, There's some cool drum fills on here too, like Ringo. I mean, they're not like great, but but like Ringo got them like drum roll fills. He got mm-hmm. them down, and he's doing them great. He's 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 throwing them in here. I dig it. I like those little those little quickies that he does. <laughs> kind of like the only part of the entire album that I thought, oh cool, Ringo, you got you got your licks in, you got your licks in. <laughs> Outside of like the singing stuff, yeah. Uh, and then and then lyrically on this one too, this is also about. Jane Asher. This is Paul's song. Uh, he he wrote it. Um, lead vocals as well. And uh, I mean, w- when I say like Paul wrote it, it's still under like the 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 McCartney Lennon thing because they had that songwriting partnership. But I mean, obviously, some songs are more so than more Paul or John than the other. But um, yeah, lyrically on this one, it it once again about Jane Asher and how. You know, she she would walk out on him and refuse to answer his calls, and he was just like, he didn't understand. He was a prick. He was a prick, but it's also like like what you were touching upon too, like immature. Like he he expects like everybody to to just kind of fall head over Bow heels down for him because he's yeah he's Paul from the Beatles. And this is this is another example of the maturity of his songwriting, like realizing okay, well you know i'm i'm actually the bad one like i'm she's she's has a life for herself and i don't know it this album is full of you know progression which i i love but yeah no, this song is a banger man <laughs> the, the the harms the harms are the best part of this song cuz they come out of like they, i mean they don't come out of nowhere but they don't need to be there they're just like a perfect uh, it's like adding accent. a, a a perfect, like ac- adding, perfect accent to it. It's like adding a $100 bill on top of a cake instead of a cherry. Like you could just add a cherry and it's fine, but then you put a $100 bill on that and it's like, everyone's like, holy what? fuck. That's what this is. <laughs> That's such a weird comparison. If somebody, gave you, if somebody gave you a cupcake and like, oh wait, it's missing one thing and put a cherry on, you'd be like, oh, good topping, bro. Good topping. Cherry on the cake, I get it. But then if somebody put a $100 bill on there, that would catch you so off guard and you'd be like, holy <laughs> shit, That's amazing. That's what happened in the second verse here. Those harms come in, uh, and it's it's not just a it, because it's bigger. It's bigger than a cherry on top of a cake. It's, it's, it's fucking. Gr- I don't know. It's it's no, amazing. I get it. I get it. I it's totally so agree. good. It's bigger than that. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, you I, are disagreeing. You think this song is the worst? No, this is their A B. What, what are you talking about? You can clearly tell it's a Paul song though, because this track is a bass song. It's, yeah, it's, that's true. It's based around the bass playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're very very right about that. And, but, and, and the ba- the baseline in the chorus is like the best part. It's squirrely. It's surprisingly complex. And right off the bat on the third track, this is when I was like, "Holy fuck, dude!" Like Paul's got some chops, dude. He's he's got something going on here. And then it, it's it's sandwiched between uh, Norwegian Wood and Nowhere Man, which are you know your two favorites. That's so true. it's just, it's kind of like, it, man, it's it's a lot. 
that's a lot going on. Should I play a little bit of You Won't See Me? Whatever you want to do, kid. All right, here we go. Here it is. Here it is from The Beatles. When I call you up see me from the Beatles <laughs> dude it, and it's the harms and then the 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 la la la's like they they shouldn't even belong there but oh my god it adds such like a nice touch to the song and to those harms I love it I love it remember in school of rock when when Jack Black was trying to get everybody involved in the backup girls he wanted them to, to just do like the ooh la la's part mm-hmm I don't know if you remember Maybe. specifically, I, but I don't remember now. But they wrote a song, and there was there was they're like, "What should we do?" Because they wanted to sing still, and he wanted to include them. They're like, dude, just backup harms, bro. Backup harms. Do ooh la la's, and they're like, "That's stupid." And he was like, "No, just do it." And it came out, and it was like money. Like that's <laughs> I think that's where they got it from. I think like specifically this song because it sounds exactly like it. Or oh, it's it's a very Motown thing too. Or very soul thing to have the la la or like have those kind of harms in there. It's I don't think it's it's something specific to the Beatles. They just did it really well, and you know the mixture of the no. The I genres. think it's exactly like this. I, I it sounds ex- <laughs> like just everything about it. I think is exactly like this. I mean, maybe just watch it like a year. Maybe ago. you know I honestly don't really care for that movie. Of course you don't, because you're a monster. Dude, honestly, School of Rock is more woke than any movie in the past like seven years. Is it? I mean, I absolutely talk about inclusion. So talk about literally every single person in that movie has their place, and Jack Black allows them to find it. And then, like the biggest turning point is is the girl who thinks she's too fat; she can't be on stage because she thinks she's too fat to sing. And he, and he just goes out on a limb. He goes off, and he's just like, "No, dude!" Like Aretha Franklin, one of the best singers of all time, fat. And then he ends it with saying, "You know who else is fat? Who has like the best time of his life is me." And that was like the only time where Jack Black is really 
really address the fact that he is kind of fat. He is kind of chubby. And it was just, it was such a, oh my God, dude, it was such a good point in the movie. Just a, a good connection between this girl and Jack Black. Dude, good stuff. Good stuff. It's a good moral, yeah, a good moral to a story, absolutely. It's a cheesy storyline, I get it, but it's a fucking fantastic movie. <laughs> Actually, all of Jack Black, he's like Brad Pitt. All of his movies are at least good. True, yeah. I mean, Kong was kind of rough, but... Kong was good, though. Eh, it was... It was Long. It was enjoyable. <laughs> it was long. <laughs> uh, Jumanji, great though. That that was good. Surprisingly, very good. I haven't seen that one. Really? I'm not. surprised. I'm know. very surprised. It was. I know. I mean, it wasn't like anything amazing, but it was. It was very enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. And I and I hate Kevin Hart. I really cannot stand Kevin Hart, but it was still a pretty good movie. PG. He's um, I mean, I, I've I think I've said it before. He's good in like <laughs> small doses, yeah. or like like he was he was good in Scary Movie three, because he was in it for like maybe three or four minutes. But Never seen any of those movies except for like ten minutes of the first one. Can't I mean, honestly, Dan parody movies. I mean, honestly, the only really good one was the third one, because that's when Leslie Nielsen came into it. Oh God! And 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 what's it? Charlie Sheen was in it. Uh, your boy, um, what's uh, Raul? Dirt, no, Dirt Nasty. Was it Dirt Nasty? Dirt Nasty's in it. Dirt Nasty's in the third Annie one. Milanakis. No, Annie Milanakis isn't in it. But Dirt, Dirt Nasty's Nasty, in it. He's like the main character in it. And then, oh, and then Charlie Sheen's in it. Leslie Nielsen's in it. Leslie Nielsen plays the president of the United States. And then ja, and then Ja Rule is his Secret Service guy. <laughs> and then, and there's a part. Where <laughs> <laughs> Where they're in the white, <laughs> they're in the White House, and then Leslie Nielsen looks up at this painting, and he says, "What would President Ford do?" And it's and it's actually Harrison Ford from Air Force One, and he says, "What would what would President Ford do in this situation?" <laughs> it's just it's so stupid. I love it. I love that movie. Harrison Ford in Air Force One would have made a better president than I mean we got forty four of them, forty five, right? He would have made a better president than forty five of them. I'll tell you that much right now. That's dumb. That's dumb. Great president. Oh, who who's the better president? Harrison Ford in Air Force One or Or um, Bill Pullman from Independence Bill Day? Pullman in Independence Day. Which one's a better president? Bill Pullman wasn't a great president in Independence Day. He just had a great speech. Mm-hmm. That speech is, is one of the greatest speeches in all of movie history. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great speech. It really God, is. It gives me goosebumps. Oh. Goosebumps. All right. You won't see me. You won't see me. Uh, okay, so so what else we got? We want to talk about more more about you won't see me or what no? Do you we, I, I already deleted my notes, so I, I really only have two more bangers. Okay, let's let's do it. I mean, I got I have fifteen bangers. So. I know you do because there's fourteen songs, but that's fine. yeah. Well, Day Tripper, hey, that's a banger too. Day Tripper is a top five Beatles song. It's Everything true. about it, except for the vocals, is, is fantastic. Oh my god, did you hear the worst? Sometimes I swear. But to um, but um, bottom, but um, but um, <laughs> but um. So my last, my last two Bs, because look, I'm looking through you. Was my seven B? I only have seven Bs. Okay. So my stupid, five and okay. six B. My five B is what goes on. Oh man, that's a goodie. That's a goodie. Is this one of your? Is is this like fifteen B for you? No, it's my uh, my my six B. 
Oh, that's way higher than I thought Ringo would ever <laughs> would ever allow for. Why? Okay, it's because a good. You hate it's a great Ringo. song. You hate, you hate yellow. No, song. you were the one. You who... hate everything about Ringo, and you said you're the one who hates Ringo. I never. You said, said you I never said, really said anything bad about the Ringo. the only you thing did. nice you've ever said about Ringo Starr. You said that Ringo Starr is a better name than Richard Starkey. That's the only thing you've ever said nice about him, which is also <laughs> which false. I never even said. What are you? Uh, you're so fucking annoying. Uh, obviously, we're getting oh. some Western. We're obviously we're getting some Western country influences here. You, you yeah. translate it into an American rockabilly, but but they, they're still keeping it in the the Beatles, the Billies, the Beatles style. Man, you're right. You're a mess. Yeah, we're we're getting, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. But yeah, that, that's that's like instantly I was drawn to this because of those of those sounds. I like I like that era of Western music in forties, fifties and sixties. And mm-hmm. that's what's going on here. And I, I just, I, above all else, I think it's Harrison. I love how Harrison is just constantly noodling. He's just, he's yeah. off on his own and occasionally comes back in to join everybody else. But really he's just fucking noodling. Like, yeah. Like, it, like, what are you doing, dude? It's a very unique song in that sense too, because there's no other song where he does have that. Like almost like, complete freedom you know creative freedom on on the record um but uh, honestly it might also be lennon who was playing that because that's Harrison's, yeah i don't Harrison's know it's not credited the there, there's three people credited and it's paul it's paul john and ringo which is interesting also because this is the first time ringo was ever credited as a composer on a beatles song and then he did lead vocals on it as well so the first time for for both of those things but yeah, Harrison's not mentioned anywhere, but I would assume he played the lead guitar because he is the lead guitar player. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think. I mean, I think. I think just in like the personnel. If you, if we're just on like the whatever the the, the Wikipedia, it it lists him as lead guitar. But yeah. that I mean, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like that that mean that could mean nothing. It's just a title at best. So yeah. it could be it could be Lennon because Lennon does. It could be fucking Paul. It could be anybody. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Lennon's not a bad guitar player, not at all. But I don't think he could do that though. I've never, I don't think so either. I, I, I've I never really heard him do so that for that long. Yeah, and and even when you, when you kind of like look back and and see how the Beatles formed, Lennon was he he was in the band as a songwriter, and then Harrison joined as a lead guitar player. So like he had a very specific role within the band. And I, 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 in all honesty, I can't imagine it being Lennon on this song. Right. Because he, Harrison yeah, is he, just known as the lead guitarist. And especially because there's a lot of, not on this song specifically, but like a lot of the piano stuff, like Lennon would take over that. So if you just think of like roles, and yeah. especially in the 60s when roles were a thing and you had a role to do, so therefore you are the bass player, you are the guitar player. And Lennon kind of transitioning over into like a keyboard type of thing or whatever it was. I can't imagine him stepping on Harrison's toes, especially when we know Harrison can can do it. Like yeah, no, he, he, can he was it. an amazing guitar player. Absolutely. But damn, if that was Lennon doing those those lead parts, I, I, dude, I'd I'd be on my butt. I I would be surprised. Color me surprised. <laughs> I'd be fucking surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it is, it's it's like a, it is a very country-esque kind of song and the way it, it kind of, I don't even want to say trudges along, but it, the way it moves along is 
it's a di- it's a very different pace than every other song on the record which is very nice i mean ringo's not the like you said earlier ringo's not the greatest singer but there's still a lot of charm in his vocals on this song and i don't know i don't know if it's just because we're so used to hearing john and paul sing all the time but it was it's it's very kind of it takes you out of it takes you out of the album a little bit but not in a bad way it's just like you you immediately recognize oh this is a very different singer this is not one of the two because they, those two have very distinctive voices and then you throw Ringo in here and it's just that's just very very different I, that's that's the best way to that's the best word to use his singing is charm and I mean We've seen Blink live, and Tom and Mark, woof, they are <laughs> not good, are good singers. singers. Yeah. Even after all these years, like damn. And so to hear, to hear on 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 record, Ringo, and already tell that he's not a good singer, but he's not even a bad singer. It's just because John and and Paul are so good, and then together they're just fucking perfect. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, damn near perfect. Not perfect, but damn near perfect. That when you hear Ringo, it's 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 something different, and it's it's charm, it's 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 honesty, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Should we should we play a little bit of what goes on? Or do you want to do lyrics? Whatever first? you want to do, kid. Whatever you want to do, do lyrics first. What do you want to do? You want to do? If you, you want to do lyrics, you'll do lyrics. You want to play well, the song let's first? Do, let's do first? let's do lyrics first. So okay, this one I, I feel like this one kind of really throws it back to the first four records, where it was just about a guy and a girl. And in this in this scenario, it's the it's a guy who's head over heels for the girl, and she doesn't know it. So she sees other guys, and then he sees them together, and he is just completely heartbroken. Like it's it's so plain old people love song, but this is the only time I feel on the record where it is like that, where it's just truly a throwback to their first four records. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, it's it's a song about trying to figure out girls, and it's that it's such a dumb like cliche to write a song about. You know, it's dumb. BC Boys did it, and a lot of bands do it. It's it's silly. It's dumb. But yeah, that's for sure. It's a, it's a throwback. Like they're still again, they're still in their mid twenties here, yeah. and they're still in their peak years to go goof off and enjoy being a kid. But they're still trying to figure out girls. And like, what are you fourteen? <laughs> come on come on <laughs> but it sells records honest and singles so well that's the way she goes so um he, here's a bit of uh what goes on from the beatles Yeah. 
There you go. What goes on from the Beatles? The soul yeah. Ringo song. Fucking bass line, too, is just... Oh, it's so good. And and like you were saying, that the guitar, the guitar tone, it's just... It's like the, it's like a palm mute, but it's it's so it's it's like he's hitting the palm mute, but he's hitting the strings so hard while he's muting them that it just sounds like a fucking mess. I love it. I fucking love it. It sounds so gross and gritty, and it's a great it's a great song. I mean, it's 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 a it's a country song that like Charlie Daniels eventually kind of like perfected and made great and bands like the Almond Brothers and Dwayne Almond would eventually do. Mm-hmm. And these guys who probably just heard country for the first time in their life <laughs> three years ago just did a killer country song. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> fucking good song. <laughs> like that's like guys spend their entire lives trying to achieve that kind of sound <laughs> and that kind of that perfection. Tone. And these fucking knuckleheads from Liverpool just fucking did it <laughs> after hearing their first country song Years I feel, prior. I feel like the only thing that would have made it more country was if they had a stand-up bass rather than than Paul's, uh, like, Rickenbacker. You know, the stand-up bass would have made it a true, true country song, so. Or washboard. <laughs> or slide guitar. <laughs> uh, slide, but see, the guitar tone in this in that lead guitar is is so similar to a slide guitar that you don't even need it. Like it's so there, it's so gross sounding. Is there a slide on this on this album? There was one album that had a slide guitar in it. And I, I don't think it's this fucking, one. Fucking, dude! I was so damn. I should I delete all my notes, of course. Is it Sergeant Pepper's? No, there was there was an album that had a slide on it, and when I looked it up, it said that it was Lennon doing the slide, and I was just I was fucking surprised. <laughs> I don't I don't know I I don't remember what album that is or what song it is. I don't either. Oh, it's Run For Your Life. That is on this album. Wait, there's slide on that? Yeah, that's a slide guitar. Really? Yeah. This is yeah, that I mean that's not a banger for me. But like so when I say it's not a banger, like these oh, all these songs a, could be bangers. damn near a banger. Like they're, no, they're all bangers. It's not a I don't know. It's not a it banger, is. but it's really really good. I really like Run For Your Life. Run For Your Life is fantastic. That's my 11B. That's my 11B. Dude, yeah, this is I'm pretty damn sure. Like, this is some good slide guitar shit. Like, I'm trying it's Lennon. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't write it down, but I'm trying to remember right now. Okay, well, okay. it's there. It's there. So, I mean, I've, I'll take your word for it right now until I look it up. But I mean, you could just fucking play it for like five seconds. Do you want me? Do you want? I mean, as, okay. I'll. Like, as I was speaking, you could have queued it up just in case. Like, you know what I mean? Like, still, as I am speaking these no, words out of and, my and you're mouth. Speaking it right now. So here we go. Run for your life. You're right. Yeah. Right. It's it's so subtle because the the lead guitar is so. Um, it's so prominent in the mix, but that that slide—it's just like two notes. Oh yeah, he's not like great at it, you know. He's, yeah. he's, he's no, he's not setting any records, but it's like more it's of a, there. It's more of a compliment to what George is doing. It's like it's just those two notes to kind of follow along with with George's lead. It's it's just such a cool like. That's like, right. I didn't, I didn't even, I've never really picked that up, but that's solid. Like these fucking kids, dude. These fucking kids from Liverpool, like they're finally growing up 
and they had a slide guitar. Yeah. And Lennon's probably never even fucking seen a slide guitar in his goddamn life. <laughs> and he picks it up and he just throws out a couple of notes and it's great. <laughs> and that's annoying. Yeah, it is really annoying. Ah, he's he's a frustrating frustrating man, that's for sure. Okay, so um what 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 else do we want to play? Do we want to wrap it up? What do what do you want to My my last B real I mean real quick, is this girl? Oh dude, I love that song. Girl, 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 girl. That song, the girl. It's my I, 7B. Uh, yeah, but. I like the chord pattern. I like the pacing. I like how the song complements the bass line and everything mm. swings together. What I don't like is the inhales. I knew it. I knew you would fucking hate the inhales. <laughs> and I almost even I almost didn't list this as a B because of the inhales. They fucking bother me. Why though? Because it's stupid. Like I read a bunch of different like things. Like are they are they inhaling because there's a lot of emotion and they're trying to get it all out? Are they inhaling because they're sitting around smoking pot? Like I don't give a fuck why they're doing it. Just don't do it. It's annoying. <laughs> I I like it. I think it it adds like a character to the it adds <laughs> character to the song. Of course you would. No, yeah, asshole, of course I would. So. And it it's interesting too that that girl and what goes on are your you know last bangers because they were the last two songs to be written on the re- for the record i know girl was the last song to be recorded for the record yeah i read that i read that so um this is um this is this is i, I like i like everything about girl except for the inhales but i like the do do do's right no, like those parts right and then i like the fact cuz i i wrote them down as do do like the do 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 parts are really cool and then I and then I was reading it and I was like, these fucking these immature <laughs> cucks over here thought it would be funny to say the word tit over and over and over, as if like in 2021 it means nothing. But they thought it was so cute and so funny that they they said the word tit over and over and over and got away with it. It's like a fucking ten year old, you know. It's like if when we were ten years old, like saying tit in front of people that you shouldn't be saying it to. <laughs> like it's the same idea. It's it's great. I love it. it fucking, the innocence of it is is. They're fantastic. a bunch of dorks. Of course. Come on. And that's dude. like that's, but like that's, that's awesome. That's kids being kids. <laughs> Let the Beatles be kids, man, because they're the best when they're kids, not when they're slaved out and put out two albums a year. Mm-hmm. George yeah. Martin. <laughs> And then lyrically, this is because uh, this is primarily a, a Lennon song, and he ha- he's the lead vocals on this one, and he um, this is this is essentially a song about his dream girl, and then you know after reading the lyrics about how like mean she is to him, it makes sense why he eventually had a relationship with Yoko Ono because she seemed like a person who was very controlling, like we were talking about. And if this is apparently about his dream girl, it it completely makes sense. Like he likes the the to be controlled. He likes, I don't know. Maybe that's also another thing with George Martin. Like maybe these guys like to be controlled to it to an extent. Because he got him young, dude. He got him young, and these guys don't know what it's like to really have authority. They know what it's like to to take advantage. And I'm sure any girl that came across them they would ask to do anything and, and the girls would do it. But that's not, uh, that's like t- just taking advantage of somebody. That's not having ac- any actual real power. 
True. And outside of just girdles, I'm sure these guys didn't have like a lot of power. And and they saw that when when Lennon opened his mouth and and said that that big excerpt. And it wasn't just I I learned about this this week too. He did, it wasn't just like the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. There was like a big excerpt that he said and taken out of context. That one line is what Americans blew up into something more. What was and the like, the Jesus one, right? It was it was the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. It wasn't oh, specifically yeah. it wasn't verbatim like that, but it was like a it was like a paragraph of what he said. But that was part of the paragraph. But the paragraph itself was bigger than that. But you know, in America, we like to take one thing and blow it up, mm-hmm. and that's that's what happened. And I think that was like the first time the Beatles realized they're not gods, and they've been treated as such up until this point, even by George Martin. I'm sure George Martin would would get them whatever the fuck they wanted because he's making a ton of money mm-hmm. doing nothing really, make forcing them to produce two albums a year. Like, like what kind of fucking rule is that? What, yeah. like what kind of producer slash manager slash friend tells you you need to make two albums per year, tour, make videos, make movies, be on TV? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty fucked. Yeah, horrible. It's true. Very true. Yeah, I I, I do think this is like a like a daydream about. I mean, it, it is about this perfect girl and and what he's what he wants and stuff like that. And it's it's it, it goes against what your typical quote unquote groupie would be. Right, somebody that is going to say no to you, and I think that's ultimately what these guys want. Yeah, they they they, they need some stability, and but they they don't don't want to out say it outright. So I'm with you. I'm with you. They're they're entertainers, you know. They're they're delicate musicians. They're emotionally underdeveloped. Delicate delicate geniuses. <laughs> All right, so uh, let, let's play a little bit of "Girl," and then do you want to wrap it up? Or do you want to talk about another song? What do you think? No, that's that's all my bees. That's all okay. I got. Um, all right. Well, let, let let's play girl really quick and then we'll we'll wrap it up. So here we go from The Beatles. Going to listen to my story all about the girl who came to stay. She's the kind of girl you want so much it makes you sorry. Still you don't regret a single day. She promises the earth to me and I believe her After all this time I don't know why Ah, oh, girl Girl, girl She's the kind of girl who puts you down When friends are there you feel a fool There you go. A little bit of girl from the Beatles. Um, okay, so let's uh, let, let, let's give our final thoughts and then give our give our rating. Uh, we have a three point rating system where three is a perfect album, uh, two is a good album you should continue to listen to, one is a bad album but you should give it a shot, and zero is just a trash fire. So what do you got, Jeff? Final thoughts and rating. Go. 
Um, I, I, I did think this was going to be higher in my list just by one. I, I didn't think this was going to beat Sergeant Pepper's, but I was not expecting Magical Mystery Tour to beat this one out. That's so that was, that was still surprising to me. Um, but with that said, I do have a newfound respect for, for the Beatles. I, I, I think that they, I, I feel bad for them and I think that they're, I think their middle ground is under, under appreciated. Okay. I think Sergeant Pepper's is adequately appreciated, but I think like Rubber Soul, Revolver, and Magical Mystery, I think those are underappreciated. But for sure, everything else after that is completely overrated. But <laughs> I do have a newfound respect for first and foremost. First things first is yes. Paul's bass playing, and and again. You don't have to be fucking Getty out here throwing down bass lines that are mind-blowing, but to write bass lines that perfectly complement songs is something to be said. And that aren't just you know your typical punk bass lines where you're just mimicking power chords but hitting one note with a pick. Yeah. And it's... Dude, he's good. He is good. He is good at just songwriting. And I was I was impressed. Other than that... I was I was uh, I was adequately impressed by Ringo and George Harrison just because I I I know how good George Harrison is and he's he's been my favorite for for a while if I even had a favorite it would be him yeah. but all that aside uh this was a cool album dude this was a fun week for good or bad even the bad stuff I enjoyed listening cuz I was just thinking in my mind dude this is fucking dumb <laughs> and I was excited to talk about it and laugh and yeah <laughs> it was a good week it was a fun it week. Was. It, was a, it was a long fun. week. It was fun, though. It was good. Better than the Stones week. That's that's mm. true. I, I mean, I listened to 26 albums by the Stones. So. I know. That's stupid. That was a rough week. That was a long <laughs> week. Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> I, I listened to like 14, and I wanted to just... No, it was terrible. It was, that was a long... That was like the longest week we've done, I think. Yeah, uh, that one in purple for me. Those were the longest ones. Um, yeah. But yeah, with all that said, I... I I I don't think this is a perfect album. There um there's not like any flaws to this album. I I I'm not like picking apart things like oh this part is why it's not a perfect 3. But I don't think this is a perfect album. I I think that there's a lot of things that are that are lacking on this, but um with that said, I uh <laughs> I think this is a 3. I'm dead serious. Oh my I God. think this is a fucking 3. <laughs> because because of everything that I said, I think it, that's that's what <laughs> makes it perfect. Is all of his all of its like its its ineptitude and its in its delivery, all of its flaws. I think they all compound to to the Beatles transitioning as people, as musicians, into something bigger, into something better. They're cocooning themselves. This is the cocoona <laughs> of of like the 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 Caterpie into the Butterfree. Oh right. This God, is this dude. is the middle ground, but Kakuna still holds true. Kakuna is still a good thing to throw out there. This is a fantastic album. It's fucking nuts, and it's wait, wait, wait. You you're you're mixing up your Pokemon here. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Metapod. It's is, Metapod. Is the one I, yeah. yeah, you're yeah. right. Metapod. Kakuna is 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 the it's Weedle to the Beedrill. The Beedrill, yeah. Which is the superior of the three evolutions. No, but it's not. Yes, it is. What's not yes, the, the Butterfree is the the best out of the six out of those o- six. only because Butterfree can can learn like poison attacks poison and sleep faster and sleep yes yeah so absolutely it win and it, but, and it can learn psychic stuff 
but, get the fuck out of here. But like actual, the best. In, but I'm talking about like real life stuff, like a bee drill versus a butterfree. Bee drill's gonna fuck it up. Well, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're it's got drills for fucking hand. Pokemon but, is real life. <laughs> you really Pokemon Go? <laughs> yeah, it was stupid. It's real life. It was uh, fun for Tyler. like two weeks. Tyler, it's fun, fun for like played, two weeks. I played it solid for two years. I know you did. Out of control. But no, I I do th- I do think this is a perfect album. I I think their top three are perfect, and I think Revolver is damn close. And I uh, I like I like picking apart things to like the bare bones, and then realizing that everything that I picked apart is what made it whole. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the parts are more than its sum type of thing. Yeah, and no, I, I get it. This this was. It. This was endearing on an entirely different level. Like Sgt. Pepper's is, is is a is it's intricate. It's well thought out. It's on its, its own it's, level. It's also a little self indulgent, a little bit. Sure, absolutely, and that's what makes it like damn near perfect, if not perfect. <laughs> but perfect. Rubber Soul, Rubber Soul's, Rubber Soul's flaws is what makes it perfect. Okay. All right. You know what Rubber Soul reminds me of? Rubber Soul reminds me of the 2002 World Champion Anaheim Angels. Oh my like if God, you look at dude. that team, if you, look, fucking <laughs> if you look at that team, nobody on that team was even any good. Dude, the Angels were a wild card in that in that in that <laughs> season. They weren't even they didn't even finish. They were a wild card spot. And then the year before, they placed third. The year after, they placed third. Every one of their pitchers, like none of their pitchers were, were pitching below like a 3.0 ERA. None of their batters were hitting over like a 300. They're not even, they weren't even a good team, but they had heart. They had heart. That's all that matters, right? And that's what this album has. This album has heart. Okay. All right. Of course, you had to throw in the, that Angels reference, but okay. The who? Oh, you know what I said. I'm not going to say oh, the, the full thing. Yeah, I'm you not going to say I'm the full not, thing every I'm time. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> The 2003 World Champion Anaheim, Anaheim Angels is that well, 2002? That right? That's fine though. Oh, two, okay, 2002. I'm sorry, I was off by one year. Um, okay, so you gave it a perfect three. Um, final thoughts for me, real quick. Uh, this is, uh, I think, every song on this is just like perfectly crafted. I feel like they 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 took they took all the right chances without being overindulgent like i was saying like on revolver and and sergeant peppers like there was enough experimentation to where it wasn't too far up their asses and the melodies that were there the songs were absolutely there the the playing the just everything about this record i think is just absolutely perfect the little nuances and the icing on the cakes for some of the songs like we were talking about the 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 la la la's and the just just stupid little shit like that like that shouldn't mean a lot to these songs but for whatever reason it does and i don't know i mean like i said at the beginning too norwegian wood is the second greatest song ever written and and i stand by that and this album is is absolutely perfect i give it a perfect three out of three obviously because it is so perfect like it's 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 untouchable this is absolutely untouchable for the beatles and I think this stands so far ahead of of Sgt. Pepper's and Revolver. Like th- those albums stand no chance against this one in the terms of its greatness. So That's I just I love the words. honesty of those this. Those are big words. I, I love the honesty of this record and just how stripped down and just great it is. I I, I love this record. So 
yeah that, that, that's what i got for for rubber soul from the beatles so um we got anything else or what do you think that's 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 all i got okay so uh so yeah go to apple Podcasts, go rate review and subscribe to us on there follow us on social media at asinine radio and uh, thank you all for listening and continue to listen to list continue to listen to us please because that that would be really awesome so uh yeah that's all i got so that's it that's all So, uh, what do you got? You want me to go? Or you want to go? You want me to go? No, you go. You always go first. first. No, I'll talk no. first. That's going to go on the no-no list. <laughs> no, no. That's, keep it up. It's going to go on the no-no <laughs> list. <laughs> Such a dumb cover, too. Oh, it's <laughs> just ugly. Lo- I'm just looking at it right now. Oh, I it's stupid. I haven't properly looked at it in so long. It's like some fucking bullshit Teletubbies thing from the 60s. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> it's my my favorite Beatles song is, is from the album of the week. And Day oh, so Life. Not, hey, Jude? No, that's my third beef. My third favorite Beatles song is Hey Jude. And then, um, was it one I liked? Let It Be. Then Let It Be, yeah. <laughs> and then Imagine. So mad at you. <laughs> and then Imagine <laughs> it's my number five. Yeah. Okay, a little off topic here, but do you remember like the jingle for um, K Earth 101 when we were kids? K Earth 101. Los Angeles. Yeah, the Los Angeles <laughs> part. I would, if you yeah. didn't say the Los Angeles part, I would I would have got on you. Yes. Yeah, no, it was the Los Angeles. Yeah, it was Los it was Angeles. that pause. It was the pause between so the Cares 101 stupid. and stupid. I love it. Hold on, I'm deleting my notes for I'm looking through you. Okay. I must okay, I'm looking fun. through you. I'm deleting my notes. <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. Oh my god. That, like normally you, you can you can pass you could pass. But dude, that was that was like one of your worst. That because was one of your worst. There's not even close to being enough syllables, and like I'm losing my nose so till I'm looking through you. <laughs> it was a good week. It was a fun. It was. Week. It was, it was a fun. long week. It was fun though. It was good. Better than the Stones week. That's. That's mm. true. I I mean I listened to 26 albums by the Stones. So. I know that's stupid. That was a rough week. That was a long <laughs> week. Yeah, I know it was. <laughs>